depending on what side of the fence you choose. Amen? Mm. And I'm not just talking about if you're new to this church, but I'm talking about if you've been doing this for years, the enemy comes in like a wave sometimes and tries to detour us, but I really do feel the Holy Ghost that God is here and he wants us to make up our mind. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm anymore. He wants us to make up our mind. Amen. Amen. God is so good. So good. Such a presence of the Lord here. As we're singing those songs, I was thinking of the power in the name of Jesus. And the Bible talks about in Acts 4, 12, says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We can trust in the name of Jesus. There's healing and salvation in the name of Jesus. He is our strong tower. He's everything. I don't know where I would be if I didn't have Jesus. But it's that, it's Jesus. It's that name that I whisper when everything else comes into my life and I feel like I'm going to give up. It's that, just that little whisper saying, Jesus, I need you. It's where we build our foundation off of. He is the cornerstone the chief cornerstone. God is so good. And you know what? There is no plan B in this relationship with God. There is no plan B. There is only a plan A. And I pray that we get that done, down in our spirits this afternoon. But we would turn to Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. And as we're turning there, we will go to the Lord in prayer. Pastor Polson is not feeling good this morning. He does need our prayers. Who's thankful for the man of God in your life? Amen. I tell you what, though, that man of God carries a burden that I do not want to carry. And he carries a burden that God has given him the responsibility of being the shepherd. And he needs the prayers of the saints. Amen. So as we're turning there, let's go to the Lord in prayer and pray for him in the remainder of this service. Heavenly Father, we magnify your precious name and we plead your precious blood over Brother Paulson. God, right now, that your healing virtue would fill that place, God, that you'd move upon him, God, in Jesus' name, that your healing spirit would flow through him. By your stripes we are healed, God, I pray right now that you would touch him. His body, soul, and mind, God, physical healing, spiritual healing, God. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would give me the words to speak today, God. A, pro a prophetic word in Jesus' name. We all go through hard times in life. It is a part of life. We will go through it. But I like to remember the words of David when he says, I will encourage myself in the Lord. There's something about encouraging ourselves in the Lord that lifts us up. The name of the Lord. But Revelations chapter 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door. Somebody say, Stand. And knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. And you may be seated. And this morning I want to preach a little bit on can you hear the knock? Can you hear the knock? And I mentioned how God wants us to make up our mind for living for God. 
No matter how long you've been doing this, God wants us to be sold out to him 100%. And there is no plan B. There is only a plan A. And that is contrary to our flesh. That doesn't go good with the way we think sometimes. So we're going to talk about how he deals with us. And, and God does knock on our door. And he does pull on our hearts. And he's relentless with it. He doesn't stop doing it. He continues to do it day in and day out and day in and day out. He doesn't have mood swings. He doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed, but he loves us. He's rich in mercy. He went to the cross and shed his blood because he loved us that much that he's willing to do this every single day. <clears throat> but I remember when I first got into the church and prior to getting in the church, I uh, I thought you can say I was a, a bad boy, kind of. You know, I couldn't find my place in the world, and I wasn't really good at anything. And the thing that I did find out that I was good at doing just happened to be illegal. So, but I was good at doing it. And, and that's a whole story in itself that if we get into it, we get into it. But because of my past and because of things that I chose to do, um, I did not at that time like police officers. And it was nothing personal. It was just because I was on the wrong side of the fence. They were kind of my enemy when I would see them. And I remember when I had just gotten into the church, it was, must have been maybe two or three months into the church, and I was fresh to Bismarck. I just moved to Bismarck. I moved into a, an apartment. Uh, um, I mean, it was just a super nice apartment, nice, and a huge walk-in closet and a nice walk-in shower, and God was good. I'm being facetious. I'm joking. I, I, it was more like a closet <laughs> and then an apartment, and it was a studio apartment right off a of divide that uh, God opened the door for me, so I, I moved in there so I can move to Bismarck. And I remember one night at middle of the night, two, three in the morning, there was a knock on the door, and it just kept knocking and knocking and knocking, and, and I was sleeping, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I was sleeping in my dream, somebody was knocking on my door, but there was really somebody on my door. And I, as I woke up, I heard that there was someone knocking and knocking. And so I got out of bed and I went and, and there was a little peephole. So I looked and seen who was at my door at two or three o'clock in the morning. And, and all I can see was a uniform and a, and a gun. And I noticed it was a cop. And instantly, and I was only in the church for a little bit, instantly I thought I was in trouble. You know, it, it, like my mindset had just went back to how prior, how I used to live. And, and I, I'm, I'm looking around the apartment and I instantly panic. Um, and I start looking around, making sure I got to hide anything that I had that was not, that was illegal. And as I'm doing it, it only lasted maybe 30 seconds. And he's knocking on the door and my palms are getting sweaty. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And I stop myself. I'm like, wait, wait, what am I doing? I don't have anything to hide. I might want to put some pants on, but that's about it, you know. So, but as, as I seen it, it triggered something in me. And I was like, well, I'm doing something wrong. And he would not stop knocking on the door. I opened the door finally, and he explained to me why he was there. And there happened to be somebody that was, you know, vandalizing vehicles, and my car just happened to be uh, one of the cars he vandalized. But the knock in me seeing who was there brought me back to a prior situation that got me a little anxious. But there are times when we feel the spirit of God moving on us and it kind of reminds us sometimes of, hey, I'm not worthy to answer the door. Or it might bring us back to a time where, you know, I tried opening the door one time and it just didn't work out. Matter of fact, I did open the door and I let God in 
and I really feel like I let them down. I fell off the track and I went on a different path and, and I just don't want to open that door right now. So a lot of times there are times in life when God starts dealing with and he's dealing with us and he starts knocking on our door and all those feelings and all those emotions and all those regrets and all those hurts might come back. And sometimes that's the very thing that stops us from answering the door. Amen. But God is calling every single one of us. And scripture talks about that. And I talked about how the love of God, it, it draws us close to him and how he loves us. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Somebody say promise. That's good. He's not slack in concerning his promise. I tell you what, I've given a lot of promises in this world that I never fulfilled. I've heard a lot of people in this world because I promised them something and I didn't go to see that promise to the end. And there's a lot of people that have hurt me in my life that's promised me things that it didn't work out like they said it was going to work out. But one thing is for sure, if you want to trust in something, you trust in Jesus. Just like those songs we were singing. He is our high tower and we will trust in him. But it says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. I tell you what, the promises of God are amazing. You can count on the word of God. You can stand on it every single day. Because if he said it's going to happen, it will happen. There's promises in this word that he's given us that we have access to, that we can take to the bank. But the Bible says he is not slack concerning his promise. But as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that really is the objective of God, is, is to bring, and that should be our objective too, is God wants to bring us to a place of repentance, to a place of brokenness. You know, repentance, and Brother Pete has taught upon this, but it's more than just saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. It's way more deeper than that. It's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It, it, it's something that takes action. It, it, it's spiritual, but at the same time, it's physical too. And it takes something that, of me to say, you know what? I am tired of going the way I'm going, and I'm tired of doing the things I'm doing. I'm tired of hurting people, and maybe I'm tired of getting hurt. So I'm going to repent and ask God to forgive me of those things. But not only that, I am going to turn my back on the world. And I'm not looking back at that world with the eyes of desiring that I can go back. And that's powerful. And you think of the story of, of, of Lot and his wife and how God used those angels to deliver Lot because of Abraham. Because of the blessing and the promise God had given Abraham, Lot had access to that in this situation. And he goes and there's angels that go to Sodom and Gomorrah and tell them, listen, we're going to destroy this city in the morning and you're going to get an opportunity to leave. But when you leave, do not look back. Do not look back. And I, I feel like that's what God's telling us this morning is God has delivered us from things and, and, and things in our life, strongholds, chains, and addictions. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying, do not look back with the eyes of I wish I had that or what if I would have continued in doing that? Would it be better off? I can tell you right now it will not be. And that's why Lot's wife looked back with that desire for the world and she instantly turned into a pillar of salt. So we ought not to look back at those things, but we should look where God has taken us from. 
I am not saying that, but God does get us out of situations and that's good. But repentance is so, so powerful. When we come to this place in life where we say, God, I'm just so tired of it and I'm so sick of it. I need you. That's a good place to be in. That is a very good place to be in. The world tells you, hey, you don't want to go there. The world tells you, hey, stay busy, keep doing what you're going to do, stay, keep your mind occupied so you don't stop and think about what you're really doing and where you're really at spiritually. But God wants us to stop and wants us to think. And when you come to this place and you realize that, oh, what I've been doing is wrong this whole time, that's powerful. Matter of fact, the Bible says the angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. The angels rejoice over one person. It's more than just words, but it's a lifestyle and a commitment and consecration saying, God, I will dedicate everything I have to you and I will serve you. And there is no plan B, but there's only a plan A and that is you. And no matter what this world brings, I'm going to go and I'm going to keep walking on this path because it's narrow. And that's the path that I want to walk on is that narrow path. But he's now willing that any should perish, that, but that all should come to repentance. And here's the deal, that God deals with everybody in different ways in our life. You know, the way God dealt with me is totally different than the way God must have dealt with Brother Fuller or might have dug with him or dealt with him. The way God deals with people is different. And so we can't look at someone's situation and be like, well, God's not dealing with me that way, so this must not be God knocking on my door. <laughs> I just heard a story the other day. Someone was telling me about it, about the Holy Ghost, and said, I think it was Brother Chuppy. You know, when there was a person, that, oh, he was preaching. Yeah, he said, when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to see a big flash of light. And, and that's not scriptural. When you see a big flash of light and, and you know, the happened, the, a lightning storm hit the transformer and there was a flash of light, boo, you got the Holy Ghost. But we can't look at other people's situations and say, well, God's not dealing with me because he's not doing what he's doing in so-and-so's life. Because he gets personal. That's the thing about God is we serve a personal God. And he knows our heart. And he knows what is going to get our attention. And that little small voice and that little tug you feel on your heart throughout the day, that's God a lot of times. That's the spirit of God. That's the Holy Ghost we call like when you're doing something and you feel like that nudge to maybe not do it, that's the Holy Ghost. Or you feel the nudge to maybe go down a different direction, that might just be the Holy Ghost. But he gets personal and he deals with everybody differently. So how God deals with one person is not necessarily the way he's going to deal with the other person. So what I'm saying is the knock that God has on your door might sound a little different. Because you might even have a totally different door. One person might have a, a steel door. The other person might have a fiberglass door. And the knock is, is different. But God's still standing at our door. Amen? And if you look at scripture, you look at Peter and how God dealt with Peter. And you look at Paul and how God dealt with Paul. Paul had to go through some things. Paul went blind for a, a, a season, a time. Walking in the desert and God speaks to him. And, and Peter didn't have to go blind like that. So God deals with people in different situations and, and he uses us because he knows our personality and he uses our personality. But God is in the business of getting our attention at all costs. At all costs, he will get your attention. Why? Because he loves us. 
And he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to a place of repentance. And there's times in my life that I look back, and at the time that I was going through something, I would have told you there is no way this can be the will of the Lord. There's tears that I've cried. There's anger that I've had. There's times of frustration that I've had. Times where I had no idea where I'm supposed to be and I felt lost. And I'm like, there's no way I can be in the will of the Lord. But I was smack dab right in the will of the Lord. At the time, I didn't see it. At the time, I had no idea what was going on. But it was God's plan. Because he's willing to do anything to get our attention. He's willing to do anything to get our, our attention. And he is in the business of getting our attention at all costs. This shows us just how much he loves us. He gets personal with us. He uses things in our individual lives to teach us lessons or to draw, him clo draw us closer to him. But coming to Jesus, those moments that we have, they do look different on everybody. They really do. They look different. And, it, and it's our responsibility to seek those opportunities out, to seek those things out in life. When God started dealing with me 14 and a half years ago, I knew exactly what it was, but I didn't want to believe what it was. Me and my mom, she happens to be in town for this week for medical reasons. We were talking about just the past this morning. We were talking about where we came from and, and things like that and, and the things I did before. Um, we were kind of just looking at the goodness of God and I tell you what, how God got my attention, that was the only way that I would ever come to God. There was no other way it would have worked out. And, and God literally rocked my world. And, and he literally, I mean, he I felt like a Humpty Dumpty. He, my whole life was just shattered and nobody can put me back together other than Jesus. But he brought me to this beautiful, beautiful place in life. At the time, it didn't seem so beautiful. It hurt. But he brought me to this beautiful place in life where I had to give him everything because I knew if I didn't, it would not work out. So I had to be vulnerable to him. And in my life, vulnerability was a sign of weakness because I didn't know what the future held. And I didn't trust too many people because of my past. And I didn't know Jesus. And I didn't know if I can trust him or not. But there was something tugging on my heart and whispering to my spirit, saying, you can do it. Just trust me. Just trust me. Brother Pete talked about this morning that God does what we do. And a lot of things in life you can apply that to. That God does do what we do. Because as he was dealing with me, and he was working on my heart, I had a choice to either serve him or do the things that I wanted to do. And because I chose to humble myself, literally, in a spiritual humblingness and surrender everything that I have and become vulnerable, he forgave me of my sins. And because I took that step of faith and stepped out of the boat and said, God, I don't know who you are. I've never read the Bible before. I have no idea what tomorrow brings. But I, I just know that there's something about this. There's just something about this. And when I stepped out in faith and said, you know what? I am going to get baptized, like the Bible says, and I'm going to repent of my sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. And I'm going to have faith that when I do that, 
you, you will remove every one of my sins. Because that's what the Bible says. And because I did that, you know what happened? He blotted out all my sins. And then he filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The peace and the joy that only the Spirit of God brings. So during that part of my life that God did do what I did. So a lot of times God's just waiting and he's patiently just knocking on our door. And he's sitting there saying, come on, just open the door. Just open the door and let me in. But he's a gentleman. He's not just going to kick the door down. That's not his nature. That's not even in his nature because we have a power of choice. So this is what we do sometimes as humans is we have a door. And because of the past and because of the things we've been through in life, because we've been wrong, because we've been hurt, because we can't trust many people, that door is, 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 a, is a door of solid oak. And we have a chain and we have a peephole and we have a door lock and we have a deadbolt. And we look through that peephole and we see it's God calling. We see it's God knocking. And that all those regrets start boiling up in us. And all those things that we did wrong that start going and overwhelming our spirit. And we say, we can't open. I cannot open the door. How can I open the door? How can he forgive me? How can he love someone like me? And God continually knocks and knocks and knocks and knocks. Until you go to the door and you unlock the latch. You take the deadbolt off. You leave the chain latch on. But then you unlock the door. And you just open it enough, just enough, for the chain to stop the door. And you peek out there. And God whispers, it's only me. Open the door and let me in. And you feel that overwhelming emotions just rising up and coming. And the, the spirit of God's whispering and saying, it's okay, you can open the door. And some, this might have happened to you. You might be in this situation this morning right now that you're right on the fence and God's been dealing with you and tugging on your heart. And all you need to do is just take the chain off the door. There's only one doorknob on that door and it just happens to be on our side of the door. He can't open it for us. But when we do open it, we can trust him. We can have faith in him. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's, he's going to be there for us. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 4, that but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. With Christ, by grace you are saved through faith. You are saved. God loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, while we were doing the things we wanted to do, he still died for us. That's why he continues to knock on the door. That's why he doesn't leave, because he loves us. And we need him. And we need him. But if God has ever given you a promise in life, and like I said, this book right here is full of promises from God, is that when you open that door, we have access to all those promises. So you might ask yourself, well, what do I need to do to open the door? And we talked about repentance. Is when you come to repentance and you come to that place and you turn your back on the world, you ask God to forgive you. And then the Bible says that we get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins. He takes our sins away and then he fills us with the Holy Ghost. 
It gives us power and authority. It gives us joy. It gives us peace to live this life. I look, I've searched this world high and low for peace and for joy. And I never found it other than in the Holy Ghost. In God's spirit moving. Amen. John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. So I'm here to tell you, do not ignore the man at the door. Do not ignore the man at the door. You know, and I think we're guilty of all ignoring that, that knock. Like I said, it's human nature. I remember um, we just got done doing our basement. We had found some black mold in our basement. So we gutted everything out. And we removed all the sheetrock and we, we did all the necessary things we had to do to get rid of the black mold. And uh, so I was talking to my wife and saying, okay, when we put everything back together, are we, we going to put everything back together the same way? And we changed the floor plan a little bit. I had, a, I had an office and we changed it into a playroom. But when I had that office, I would go down to the office and I would just lock myself in there because I had a lock on the door. And I'd lock myself in there and I would study and, and whatever, pray. And, and I would just sit there and... And uh, it was a good time because if you have kids, sometimes you need alone time. For my wife, it's going to Target. For me, it was going to my office. <laughs> you know, th that was my target. I would go there and I would lock the door. And, and every morning, not every morning, but most of the mornings, I knew when the kids were up because one of them would come down there and knock on the door and knock on the door. And I would go underneath my covers and close my eyes real tight, you know, like they couldn't see me. And they'd keep on knocking on the door. Like they, they heard me in there or something. <laughs> But that knock is relentless, and that's what God tends to do. And sometimes it feels like it gets subtle, and sometimes it feels like it does go away, but it's always there. And here's the thing is sometimes we get nervous when we hear that knock, right, because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know, yeah, if I let you in, if I open the door, what's going to happen? And I remember that in my life, that I, um, I had a lot of things and issues that I brought when I, when I first came to God. I didn't have a job. I needed a job. I, you know, a lot of relationships were broken up and, and I had no idea what the future would hold for me. And that was a really big hiccup. And to trust God, you know, trust something that I can't see. And if you tell me here, you know, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars, go pay rent. I can trust in that because I can see it, you know. But if you tell me, hey, you just rely on God and you keep being faithful and God's going to supply every single one of your needs. There's like, you know, doubt does want to creep in. And, and that, that's, sometimes that's human nature. The doubt just wants to creep in. It's, sometimes it's easier to trust in something we can see. But the Bible talks about how we shouldn't trust in chariots and things like that. But we ought to trust in God. So just trust and believe that when you do open the door and you stop ignoring the man at the door of God, that you can trust him. He will bring that peace and he'll bring that joy without failure into your life. But we do sometimes panic when we do hear that knock on the door. It brings back those memories. I remember um, my wife, she had gotten into a couple car accidents, one car accident before we got married. And then we got married and she got into another car accident when she was pregnant with Macy, I believe. So she had this tendency as we would drive, I have a, a tendency to go down different streets. I never keep the same path going to church usually. I like to go off off streets and and there was, we used to live off of Anderson Street, so we'd take back, not back roads, but unmarked intersections. 
and she did not like unmarked intersections because of the car accident that she had been in. So every time we go through an intersection that was not marked, I did not know it was not marked because I'm just driving and I, I, I'm a kind of a guy, I just kind of just drive, you know. And she would do this thing every once in a while when, I mean, a car would be a mile and a half down the road and, and, and we'd go through an intersection and she'd grab the side of the door and kind of go, <gasps> you know, and, and when I get scared, I get angry, I get upset. And so she would, sometimes she'd, <gasps> and she'd hold the side of the door and I'm like, what? You know, and I'm slowing down and it's like, well, there's a car. And I'm like, well, that's a dog for one and it's a block and a half. You know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, it was just natural for her to do it. And I, and I make, I, I razz her right now, but I, I will throw myself underneath the bus because a couple years ago, my, uh, my perfect driving record was not so perfect. And I had gotten into a car accident, uh, a minor just fender bender. And I had thought the person was turning, so I, I passed them. Well, they were not turning and they turned into me. And for like a week after that, I did the exact same thing. I would go through an intersection. I would pass somebody when they were turning on a two-lane road. And I would like almost naturally react and like get both hands on the thing and I would want to hit the brakes right away. It was just like a natural reaction because of what I went through. Right? That makes sense? So here it is. A lot of times in life, we can do that with God is because we got hurt in a situation because we have lost trust in a certain situation maybe because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring or maybe because we've tried this over and over again and it seems like it never works on our end that we can do this to God sometimes is God gets close to us and we start getting close to him and then he brings us into unknown territory right and and we start to clinch up and we start to get nervous and that reaction starts to come where we just want to close the door or push God away during those times of vulnerability but in reality what God wants to do is he wants us to surrender everything to him and to give him our hurt and to give him our past because let's be honest, I think we all do carry that burden of life sometimes. We carry that hurt and we carry that bitterness and maybe that anger at times in life. And I've said this before, but sometimes it's easier just to hide that and tuck it deep, deep down than it is to deal with it. Why? Because it hurts when you deal with it. It hurts. But that's okay that it hurts. Because God, that's when, see, he brings us to this place where we don't trust in ourselves no more, like, where we can't. Like, he brings us to a place of, oh, I have to, you know, all I have is you. You know, I, you know I've trusted so many other people and they've done me wrong, but, you know, I want to trust you. And sometimes that brings fear. But God's not the author of fear, is he? He's not. But he's the author of peace and he's the author of joy. There, there is no confusion in him. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But sometimes, a lot of times in life, that that first step into the unknown, God brings us to this place, we've been there before, and it's like, oh man, I don't know if I can just jump in the pool. 
You know, it's kind of like, well, I want to try it out. It might be cold, so you dip your foot in there, and you're like, nope, there ain't no way I'm getting there. You put your hand there, no, I'm not, no. All the meanwhile, you're watching everybody else jump in, and you're just saying, man, I wish I can jump in, but I just can't. Because last time I jumped in, I almost drowned. And God's saying, just come on, just go. Just jump in. So that first step, that first leap of faith is always, always the hardest. But it's necessary. It's required of us because remember, sometimes in life, God does what we do. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Why? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's impossible to please God without faith. And I will tell you this right now, every single person in this room, under the sound of my voice, you have what it takes to make that first step. Look at your neighbor and tell them you have what it takes. You have what it takes. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says that God has given every man a measure of faith. And we all have that measure of faith that we got to work on. So I don't know where you're at here today. You might be in this situation. You might be in this boat. And you know that God's telling you to step out in faith and make that next step. And if you do, he'll guide you and he'll direct you. And you might feel like, you know, I've done this so many times and I don't know if I can do this again. But I beseech you that if you just take the first step, the first step is always the hardest. But if you just take that step and you let him guide you and direct you. Now here's a key point in taking that first step. It is absolutely necessary that you keep your eyes on Jesus. Do not get distracted from the things of the world. And, th- and I think we're guilty of this. Do not get distracted. Have you guys ever prayed for anybody and something really cool happened? Or have you ever had it come from an ex- uh, a church experience? It was a lot of emotion coming, a really good service. And you're like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm excited. I'm going to do the thing of God. And Tuesday and Wednesday come, come along and you're just feeling like, oh, I can barely get out of bed. That's the enemy. And that's our flesh trying to take our eyes off of what God has given us. Same thing happened to Peter. One of the apostles, he steps out in faith through boldness and he, want, and he wants to live for God and he wants to do great things for God. And he says, I, look, at God's walking on the water. That's Jesus. I'm going to walk in the water. He steps out and he's standing there and he realizes he's in the unknown. He realizes where he's at and he starts looking around and, and he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts looking at the situation instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus. And when we do that, it, we, we start that nerves, those nerves come in, all that anxiety comes in and the fear comes in and the doubt comes in. That's why we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because when you take your eyes off, you slowly start sinking. And sometimes those feelings come back and, and those emotions come back. But you got to keep, we, gotta, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. But that first step is the hardest. The first step is the hardest. And you might be here today and you might hear that knock. (laughs) Maybe you do hear that knock and you might be just cleaning your house. I'm trying to make it presentable for them. You know, you're vacuuming and you're wiping everything down. And well, you know, I can't open the door looking like this. Like my hair's not done. And, you know, I have things in my life that I need to figure out. And and there's this one thing that I haven't tried yet that I got to go try. 
There's this one thing that I want to go try, and, and if that doesn't work, then, you know, then I'll try you, God. But like I said this morning, earlier, that God is waiting on us. And we need to make that choice and that decision up today. Today is the day. We don't get good to get God, but we get God to get good. You're, we're never going to be good enough to come to God if we have that mindset. You know, I'm never going to have my life enough, uh, like built up enough and, and everything right enough for God if I'm thinking like that. I'm never going to have, because that's why God says, look, come to me with all your, your sins. Come to me with your hurt. Okay, now we'll remove that. It's not the removing of our flesh. It's, it's us trusting in God. And he removes that for us. He works on it every day and he shows us and opens our eyes. We can never get good enough just to come to God. That's why he says, hey, come as you are and then I will change you. Don't stay as you are, but I want you to come as you are. You bring your luggage and you open the door. And listen, what this is, and this is the good thing is that in Luke, Luke 5, 4, it says, now when he had left speaking and said unto Simon, launch unto the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Hey, Jesus is saying, listen, we're going to go. He's talking to seasoned fishermen. You know, it's like, it's like Doug coming on to my job and saying, and me working inside in the wall or whatever. I'm like, I can't get this done today, man. There ain't no way. We got only an hour left and we got to be in church. And Doug's like, come on, let's just keep going. Well, I've been working on all day. God, God, Lord, we've been out all night fishing. There ain't no fish to be found. There's nothing. And Simon answered him. He said, he answered him. He said, we told all night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, thy word, I will let down the net. The watcher happens and says, and when they had this done, when, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. There's a lot of times in life God tells us to step out in faith and it does not make sense. And we're like, listen, God, I've been dealing with this for a long time, Okay. I've been dealing with this for years, months. There's no way that this is just going to leave. But if we have faith in God and we give him access to our lives, then he can remove it, just like in this story. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Let's stand. God wants us to not only open that door, but to give them everything we've been carrying, all the hurt, all the, the past, everything, everything that's been building up on you, God wants you to give that to him. And like I said, you might be doing this for years. And here's the deal is the deeper you get with God, the more opposition you feel from the enemy. So there's times that God starts taking us in the deep areas and we start going through a wilderness and then the enemy comes in and we feel like, what's going on? I'm trying everything I can. I'm doing everything I can and it feels like I'm getting further away from you. But in reality, what God's doing is he's working on our hearts.
through that wilderness. The wilderness was never meant to destroy us. It was meant to develop us. Never meant to destroy us. It was meant to develop us. I'm going to close with this. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And just like those disciples cast their nets when it did not make sense, and they said, I've been doing this all night long, they cast their nets, and their nets were full. What I'm here to say is that we need to cast our care upon Jesus. All of our care upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. It's time for us to open that door. It's time for us to make up our mind and say, God, here I am. I want a deep relationship with you. I need you. I can't keep doing this day after day. So stop holding on to the mistakes in your past and trust in God. And I open these altars right now and I ask for you to take that step of faith right now. That first step is the hardest. But if you do that, God will be here to catch you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. to the altar, the Father.